0: Please remain standing as you're able. And will you follow after me as we follow very lightly after uh, the practice of Jesus and the disciples who would have recited the Shema or what he called the great commandment. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture this morning is from the 15th chapter of John. We begin in verse 12. This commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. For I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know about his master's business. But I have let you know of what the Father has given me. I have passed on to you. I think I've got that right? For I you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give it to you. This is my command that you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. About 25 years ago, um, our, on our 20th anniversary, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Paris and London for a few days. And so we went to uh, a small boutique um, uh, hotel in Paris, and they uh, took good care of us. They they were good servants, and everything was great. And it came time to leave. We had to go and, and catch uh, the, the, the uh, bullet train to go through the channel and get to London. So we called for a taxi but there was no response. And we got a little nervous and uh, communicated the desk. And they said they'd call again. And, and there was no response. And so we looked at them like, help. And, and they said, well, sometimes, you know, taxis don't come. And then they said, you know, the metro station is that way. I would hurry. Well, they were good servants up to a point. But I thought about what a different experience I had this past week. As I mentioned last week's sermon, uh, I get the opportunity to facilitate a group of younger pastors of large churches. And so I'm their leader, but also then their servant. So I help set up the meetings and help schedule the speakers and facilitate the discussion and check on them and see how things are going. And so I, I try to serve them, and I'm responsible for, in some ways for their experience. And so often we meet in Dallas, and when one of them needs a ride, to Love Field. I'll take them to Love Field and, and make sure they get there. But this time we met in Oklahoma City. And what was interesting after I'd spent this time serving them, they said to me, do you need a ride to the airport? Well, I did and, and they took me. But before that, something fascinating happened, and that was we were discussing where our next meeting would be, and we usually meet in Dallas. Sometimes we have met outside of Austin at Lakeway, and then once we met at Oklahoma City, and they said, David, you always travel for us. Could we do the next one in San Antonio so you could stay at home? And I thought, somehow, something in the dynamic had changed Though I had seen my role there as to serve them, after three years, these ten colleagues saw me as something other than servants. And I believe we have become friends one to another. Jesus draws a distinction in our passage this morning about the difference between servants and friends. And it's not that the ancient world doesn't talk about friendship. Aristotle, the great Aristotle, talked about friendship and he said what what uh, identifies friendship is mutuality. And that is basically in our, our modern terms, I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. So Aristotle talked about the importance of doing things for other people so they do it for you. A little bit like Yogi Berra said, you know, you should go to other people's funerals or they won't go to yours. Um, something like that. That was Aristotle. But other ancient writers talked about well, the importance of loyalty and what distinguishes friendship is loyalty. But Jesus, I think, had a different take about that and drew an interesting distinction between friendship and servants. And he drew it uh, on a couple of ways. And, uh, and one of the ways that he did it was this. He said, one difference between friends and servants is that usually the servant has no idea what is going on. They're not really clued in to the master's business. Uh, And if you watch Downton Abbey, you know, you get that sense that those who are downstairs, they kind of know that a layoff is coming, but they're not really sure exactly who, when, and how it's all going to shake out. They are not privy to all the discussions upstairs. And in the same way, that's how it works with servants. But Jesus says with friends, though, there's this more free-flowing sharing of what's going on in one another's life. And then he says this, and another difference is... That friends will lay down their life for friends. That there's a sacrifice involved in friendship. And just to make sure that, that we get the point, uh, he, ba- he tells us not only that, but he demonstrates it, of course, with his life. There's something about friendship that's sacrificial. And that certainly fits the biblical context, but perhaps the greatest story of friendship in the Older Testament is David and Jonathan. Real quickly, there's a king on the throne. His name is Saul. His successor should be his son, Jonathan. But Jonathan and David are friends, and Jonathan is able to know what is in the heart of David and know what the heart of God is. And Jonathan knows that, quite frankly, the next king is not himself, but the next king is David. Even though that will anger his father, and his father sees David as a rival and wants to kill him, Jonathan, as we read the story, will risk his life for his friend David, even though his friend will take what is rightfully his, the throne, from him. And even though that will mean that his father will even come after and want to kill him, his own son, Jonathan. And that's a biblical picture of friendship, of the sacrifice that's involved. Now, I think one thing the ancient world and Jesus would all agree on, and, and that is we sometimes don't really know who our friends are until tough times come. Till push comes to shove. And so uh, what is so amazing is Jesus is talking about friendship here in chapter 15 of John. And it's not long after he has raised Lazarus from the dead in chapter 11 of John. And the interesting thing about Lazarus is he's called Jesus' friend. So Jesus goes in, raises him from the dead, which is, you know, a great thing to do for a friend. But here's the deal. The Gospel of John is clear that once Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, his opponents will have no choice but now to kill him. And not only we told in the Gospel of John, do they want to kill Jesus, but they want to kill Lazarus again. They want him to die again. Jesus has risked his life for a friend. And so they have this picture. And of course, they have a picture they can't quite see yet in John, the 15th chapter. And that is that their friend, even though they're not always clear about what he's talking about, they don't always do what he asks, their friend, even though one of them will betray him, their friend, even though one of them will he deny even knowing him, will go and make the ultimate sacrifice and lay down his life on their behalf. It is in the difficult times that we find out who our friends are. And in the most difficult times, Jesus reveals himself as friend. Which leads me to simply ask a question this morning. Is the church a group of servants of Jesus, our group of friends. Now there's lots of good things to say about servants. Jesus once said, "I am among you as one who serves," and calls on us to serve one another, And in the Gospel of John, takes a towel and washes the disciples' feet and reminds them about the importance of serving others. But one of the things I've noticed is that churches that primarily identify themselves as servants of Jesus sometimes get to the point where they offer that service in effort to justify themselves or to take care of some obligation, or to uh, discharge a duty. And the relationship of friendship between them and Jesus is sacrificed for the servant aspect. It could be that a servant serves simply out of obedience and duty, but a friend will serve out of friendship and knowing that they are loved. And so I think there's nothing wrong with a church that serves. I hope we will grow in our ability to serve others in this community and serve others in our midst. But not at the expense of knowing that we are loved and valued and that we are friends. Are we a church of servants or friends? Or are we a church of the served or are we friends? Uh, It doesn't happen much in this church, but there are churches from time to time that the emphasis goes on what have you done for me lately how happy am i with what's happening how how are things going according to my needs and desires and you know we do stuff as a church that contributes to it sort of a, a consumer mentality and and um, the other week i was looking for an old sermon that i preached you know it's just good stewardship right you know you don't want to waste something so I'm looking, and I can't find the notes, so I go, I'll go online. I'll find that sermon. And I found the month. I preached it. I remembered, and I got ready to hit play. But then I saw it. Did you know that if you go online, I probably shouldn't tell you this, and you listen to an old sermon, you can rate it? (laughs) I'm about to hit play, and I mean... What do you mean three stars? I put a lot of sweat into that thing. That was what I heard from God that week. Three freaking stars? What is this? But we asked for it. It's there. Are we the church of friends or the served? I hope and pray we're the church of the friends. What might that look like? Two things according to Jesus. Number one. Friends are a place where lives are shared openly. That we are able to talk about what the Father is doing. What if part of our being together as a church, whether it's in a Sunday school class or a small group or in other relationships, we're talking about, here's what I think God is doing in my life. Here's where I'm missing God. What do you see? Do you see something I don't? What's happening? What if we talk openly about what for too long people have kept private? The most significant thing about us, our relationship with God. That's what friends do. They try to figure, they try to hear clearly and pass on clearly what the Father is saying. What if that became one of the main reasons we gathered? Was to encourage each other in what the Father's saying. And try to move forward in that. We might be more friends than servants and I bet we'd serve. And then the other thing Jesus said is, well, one of the things about friends is, they live sacrificially for each other. When one of them has a need, the friends rally and make sacrifices of themselves to help meet that need. Uh, Pam has uh, an aunt and uncle who live near, uh, nearby uh, and wonderful people. And uh, her uncle uh, got cancer, was in hospice, uh, and just uh, just passed away the other day. But when I was visiting with with my, uh, with my uh, her uncle and aunt, we were talking, and she started talking about her small church and all the wonderful things they have done. They've come over and done minor repairs to her house. They've come on over and mowed the yard because they knew her husband couldn't do it. They brought food, and she talked about these various things they've done. And she said to me, now, we're a small church, and we're really close to each other. She said, I know, David, you have a large church, and I'm, so I'm sure that never happens. Well, who am I to argue with Pam's aunt? So I didn't. Let me take up the argument with you. I beg to differ. I get a front row seat as one of the pastors here, day after day, week after week, to people extending themselves sacrificially for the benefit of someone else. You've got an appointment. You can't drive. May I drive you? You're, you have the surgery scheduled. May I pick your children up from school and take care of them? You uh, have suffered a loss. Uh, your family is coming over, your extended family. May we bring food? Time after time, I see people extending themselves as friends for other people. You know, we've got um, somebody has been in the hospital recently. And when I would go to see them, uh, they were so grateful And they would talk about how grateful and how wonderful things were. And and what I expected is, you know, I've been there. I've been there a lot. I thought they'd talk about how wonderful I am. But they don't. They talk about how wonderful you are. All the people that call, they pulled out a list and started reading me the names of people who had made offers to do one thing or another for them. I see that every day. That's service, but it's service done out of the sense that we are friends with Jesus, who's called us to be friends with one another, that involves not only deep sharing of our lives and what's going on, but sharing of what the resources we can bring to a situation. And I think that's who we are. I think, to use Jesus' term, a church of friends. But having said that, though, there are a few things I, 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 I'm a little concerned about. first one is this. Sometimes, you know, we can be so busy about being friends with each other and, and sacrificing for each other and looking out for each other that we forget to make new friends. That we forget about those who, right now, don't have friends. I'm reminded of that great story of Fred Craddock tells uh, he was pastor years ago. We just got out of seminary in a community that was very small, but suddenly a big power plant came into town and the community started to get large. Apartments uh, were being raised as all sorts of people came in from across the state and out of state and moved to this community. And he was pastor of the small church and they realized that their tight friendship was being threatened. So at an emergency board meeting one night, they made this resolution and it passed. With little opposition except the pastor, and they reminded him he could not vote. The resolution was this. The only people who can join this church are people who are land owners in this county. And so 30 years later, he and his wife are on vacation. They go there to that area in the mountains. And sure enough, the church is still there. Still standing. It's amazing. Only there, there's no cross on the roof. No cross. Instead of a cross, there were be these three big letters that light up at night, you know, electrified. And the three letters are B-B-Q. And they walked inside that church, and there were all sorts of people who didn't own land in that county. People traveling through on the highway, eating pork and eating brisket and eating cornbread. And, and Fred looked at his wife and said, well... They'd have never been welcome while I was here. Be careful that our friendship isn't so tight that we forget to make new friends. I think the second thing about sacrifice is be careful that, to think that only the large sacrifices count. If I can steal from Fred, Craddock again, he said when he was growing up uh, in, the, in the Cold War era, he said he had this vision of, of his life as like, to be given away sacrificially for Jesus in one fell swoop. He said it was like a $100,000 check that I would just cash at one time. And he said, I could see myself as a missionary behind the Iron Curtain, and they'd catch me, line me up against a wall, and shoot me. And he said years later, church tour groups will will come there and point and say, well, there's where old Fred gave his life for Jesus. He said, but as I have matured, I realize it's never that 100000 all at once. It's a dollar here as I make a phone call, a couple dollars there as I cross the room to meet somebody, uh, even though I don't know them well. A dollar here as, as I listen carefully, that our life is given out probably in smaller, consistent sacrifices. And not in one big swoop. We think about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and well, we should. But let's not n- neglect That Jesus lived a life of constant sacrifices for his friends all along. What he did at the end was no different than what he did in character from the beginning. So let's not think only the sacrifice we just throw ourselves on the grenade right now. All at once, there will be many times we'll be called on again and again and again. And a church of friends continues to respond. And then finally this. I've noticed that in friendships, sometimes our friendships will go through highs and lows and they'll be tested in different ways. And I would just want you, as you think about your friendship with others or your friendship with the church or your relation with Jesus, to never think that the snapshot of where you are at the moment is the whole story. It takes a while for the friendship to play out, to see where it, where it all goes. It's not just one moment at one time. A colleague of mine was telling me um, uh, about another church where the prayer ministry put on their prayer line uh, the, about the death of somebody, which is a nice thing to do, except for the, past, the problem that the guy wasn't dead. In fact, he was very much alive and soon was released from the hospital. And we started talking with each other about, you know, can you imagine the first disciples probably put out the news too that Jesus was dead? This was it? Look at the story of the, of the road to Emmaus. It's all over. And if they'd only waited three days, how much the picture changes. Our life as friends, flows up, flows down, but it's over time that we see the true friendship emerges. So you may wonder, what, if anything, does that have to do with the flyer and commitment card that got passed out this morning. This is it. As a group of friends, one of the best things we can do is to consistently give to support our friendship and our extension of that friendship to others over time. And when I make this commitment, that is my way of saying, over time... I am consistently committed. See, the interesting thing is this. I don't know if you saw this in Richard Rohr's writings this week, if you read them. Um, He said he was talking about a psychologist that said that bad negative thoughts are like Velcro. And we get them in our head and they stick. And they stick and they stick. And they're so hard to shake. And he said, and the good positive thoughts are like Teflon. And we can't seem to hold them. I believe in this church. I believe in our friendship. One of the ways that helps me hold on to that belief is that when I make an act of commitment, it helps it stick more in my life, in my living out sacrificially of that friendship. So this what I'm going to invite you to do this morning, following Matt reading the prayer You'll find three baskets at the front. And and this is what actually we learned, not from fundraisers. We learned this from Burundians. In Burundi, which has the world's second poorest economy, when they take up the offering, 90% of the people will have nothing to give. They sold no corn. They delivered nothing by bicycle that week. That week they have nothing. But those who have and those who don't come up to a basket and put their hand in it. And those who have something, drop it in. Those who don't just put their hand in as a way of saying... When it comes, Lord, I will share. So this morning, I'll invite you, if you've prayed through it and you're ready, come forward. Place it uh, in the basket as a way of expressing your commitment. And if you're not ready, let's say you were a... I don't know, let me just pick an example out of the blue. Let's say you were a pastor who was out of town all week. And you forgot to have this discussion about this card with your family. Then you could still come forward... And you could put it in the basket, just blank as a a symbol that says, Lord, I'm committed. And I'll get there. At any rate, I would want you to come and just say, this friendship's important to me. I want to be a part of what God is doing as we extend this friendship within our community out to a larger world.